everybody. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to the mini sessions. So last night, I was listening to an amazing song called Give Me Jesus. Now, some of you may know the song. You may know the lyrics to the song. One of the lyrics actually pierced me to the core, and it, and it says, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. And I thought, wow, that is awesome. I love this song. And as often happens in praise and worship, the Lord starts to download his kids. And one of the things he said was, but would you really trade all the world for me? And of course, we all answer, well, yes, you're on the throne, Lord. And it made me ask the question, well, is he really on the throne in our lives and in the church today? And I feel like there have been a lot of things rumbling inside of me for about the last six months that have all caused me to really look at us in the church and ask us in your country, in my country, all around the world, is God really our chief concern and our first love? Now, statistics in this country in a recent survey say that he's not. So I asked the question, if he's not, then what is? Well, the answer in that survey was money. Money, the very thing that he tells us not to make an idol of, the very thing that we've been warned about. Let's start at 1 Timothy 6.10. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, then let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. That's a huge statement. And let's be clear, it's not money that's evil. It's the love of money that's evil. And it's the root of all kinds of evil. So there's a lot to unload here. Let's get started. What exactly is money? Why do we love it so much? Well, money, according to Webster's Dictionary, is defined as something generally accepted as a medium of exchange, a measure of value, or a means of payment, like official currency. It's a measure of value. We determine or measure value and we set a price. The higher the price of the item, the more valuable the item must be, right? So if you have a lot of money and you have a lot of what's needed to obtain things that have value, you yourself would be more valuable, right? Here's the question, are you worth more when you have more? What's the definition of valuable? Well, the dictionary describes valuable as worth a lot of money, describes valuable as very useful or helpful and important and limited in amount, rare. So if I have a lot of money, I'm more valuable because I can buy more valuable things and I'm extremely useful if I have a lot of money because I can do a lot of things and I can help a lot of people and I can change things. And I'm definitely important and rare because not everybody has a lot of money, right? But I do, so I'm important. Is this how we think? Well, everyone wants to be important and everyone longs for significance. 
and money can provide this. Well, it can to the unbeliever anyway, and I'm not talking to the church, am I? I mean, you don't actually think that anything in anybody outside of Jesus can make you more valuable or significant, do you or do we? Well, the problem comes in loving money and in really sitting with the questions I just presented to you. If you have a lot of money, you can pretty much in worldly terms open any door and have access to whatever you want, good or bad, sinful or not sinful. And we like to say, well, we're Christians. We'd only do right with all that access, we tell ourselves. And there's privilege. Money causes you to be seen as privileged. You can't deny this. You're going to get a lot of privileges if you have a lot of money. Look at it. We see it all the time. Front row seats, great food, the best food, access to privileged information and power that's reserved only for the privileged. You can pretty much do anything you want to do and buy anything you want to buy. And not everybody can, so you must be really privileged. But the Beatitudes speak about the meek inheriting the earth. And then there's status. Well, money brings a ton of status, i.e. importance. Would you call status importance? I would. You know, I'll tell you a story. When I had my show at NBC, all of a sudden I had money coming in hand over fist and I'd worked my whole life to achieve this childhood dream and here I was and, you know, I was on this big network with this big huge show, flying all over the world on private planes and, and walking on red carpets all the time. And you know, the amazing thing that I found was that I had so much status that everything I could then pay for, because I finally had the money to pay for it, I didn't have to pay for it. Everybody gave it to me for free. I literally got tons of designer clothes sent to me all the time for free. Hmm. And let's talk about fame, because we can't talk about money without talking about fame. And usually really wealthy people become really well-known people if they choose to be. And fame can definitely bring money. So everybody wants to get famous, it seems, to get money. And with social media and all the ways that you can become famous today, we have a generation that chases fame like never before. Today, I'm sad to say that we could venture to say that the currency necessary for fame has been completely devalued and expanded to include any old gimmick, lie, sex tape, scandal, or reality TV show that grabs enough attention for being outrageous or just being on television. So a lot of ordinary people without a lot of talent can now be famous. And the, the hope that they all have in common is that their fame can be parlayed into money. Power, money gives you power, that's the lie. Power to have and do all of the above, period. I actually will go so far as to say power in terms of the world we live in is perceived to be freedom. And as a Christian, if you're not careful, you begin to believe that lie that, that freedom is power and power is freedom. But we know as Christians that freedom isn't necessarily power. It's just perceived to be. So we all mistakenly believe that power is the ability to have and to do anything you want, which helps us conclude that he who has the most money also has the most power which makes having money really important. Because for all it can do, let's be honest, you just gotta love it, right? You just gotta love money. It's necessary on one hand, and it's really tempting and good on the other hand in a whole lot of bad ways. It can give us so much. It makes the world go around. There are songs written about it. This is a problem when the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So let me ask you another question. Would you say the fact that it's literally the most important thing in a country means there's a serious love affair with pursuing it and having it and owning it going on? Would you say that if as a body of people, we've made money and all it provides to be our chief concern, 
that all kinds of evil is going to creep in and go on? In 2015 in the UK, I mentioned a survey by The Guardian. It was called Britain Uncovered. And in this study, something really interesting was revealed that sort of goes into today's session. The results of that survey discussed revealed the attitudes and beliefs of Britons in 2015. The question posed was, which of the following causes you the most anxiety in life? Okay, I don't have to tell you. The answer, overwhelmingly, was money. It wasn't family. It wasn't health. It wasn't work pressures. It wasn't time pressure. It wasn't even your love life. It was none of that. It was money. The root of all kinds of evil. Now, I would expect this in the world, honestly, because we know the world belongs to Satan. And if you don't know that there's good and evil in the world today as a Christian, then you're kind of missing it. Without knowing and believing, though, in the God who possesses all the power to do and move mountains and to provide for you and clear obstacles and heal you and set you free, I mean real freedom, if you don't know the God who opened the blind eyes and caused deaf to hear and cast out demons and was publicly crucified and then rose from the dead, if you don't know that God, and from what I see today, a lot of people, not even a lot of Christians who are chasing fame and money and privilege and power as much as anybody else I know, know that God. If you don't know that God, then the God of this world must be something tangible that can be used to try and buy healings from doctors and do all of the stuff that the God I know can do without it. So therefore, money is a great tangible way of trying to accomplish all that and of measuring who achieves status as God in this world. Small g, that is. But what about us in the kingdom? Okay, let's focus on us because that's where really all of this, I believe, is going. And I believe that's why the Lord really put this message on my heart. Let's go back to that scripture. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Church, let me ask you, are we content? Do we love money in the church way too much? Are we in danger here? Has it really become our first love? His light should shine so brightly in us that we don't look like the world. His words of love and truth should flow so freely from our mouths that we make disciples of all the world, not just TV shows and business deals with them, not just movies and contracts with them. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's your job, then do your job well. It's been my job for over 25 years. He doesn't need me or you there in the world if the world puts our light out. And I love the lyrics to this Jason Upton song. <sighs> so you say you want to be in the army of the Lord. Well, you better trash your idols if you want to be in the army of the Lord. And then he goes on to say that God told him, if the whole wide world is looking at you, they can't see me. And they need to see our love in action expressed through the way that we live and the way that we create and the way that we run our families, and the way that we take care of our poor and our sick and our orphans and our widows. They need to see our movies and entertainment and hear our messages. They need to see our God glorified on display in us, 
because that's what will make them go, whoa, who's this Jesus? Can I get me some of that? Because when you see power at work in someone, it doesn't matter what you believe. If I see that you're doing something that's working, I want it. So come on, beloved, kingdom, we're his. We're the chosen. We're the elect. So we have to stop elevating them and their money and stop thinking they, as the world, are the measure of cool. Jesus is the measure of cool. And if we believed it, then he would be back on the throne in the church fully. He would be our first love fully. Him, not money and not the pursuit of everything that money can buy and give and not the pursuit of the world's way of walking and talking and looking and acting and doing everything. Look, they do great TV shows and movies. I know I've been there a long time. I've worked in Hollywood for 25 years. In the secular world, it's done really, really well. We do it, we do it well. It's what they do, especially in the States. It's our greatest import, Hollywood. But as a sanctified people who walk with a living God, who created the very definition of creativity, who in beginning the creation of everything, exercised what an amazing creator he was, if we actually are partnered with him, then everything we think that they do well, we can do infinitely better. Last year, thousands of messages were preached on prosperity around the world. And look, I believe that God wants to bless us financially. I do. But what I don't believe is that everybody is promised by God to be wealthy because if that were the case, Jesus wouldn't have said, the poor you will have with you always. I mean, hello, somebody's gonna be poor. I mean, that sucks. But I think leaders are better off keeping it real. Jesus did. So I don't really believe that he's happy with us when money becomes the focus of our ministries to all of you as a flock. I'll even go so far as to say something that I can say because I'm black and I can. In the black church in America, as a people, you know, we had been down for so long and denied for so long that when we got into church and when I got into church and I heard the prosperity doctrine at its height, it was like oxygen in my lungs. I mean, believing to have my bills paid or to have a car that could drive me from point A to point B literally was like oxygen, not because of anything bad, but because it gave me and everybody around me hope. And hope was all we had and it's all many people have. But somewhere along the way, that hope shifted into the hope in things. And all these things will pass away and aren't promised to us in the first place. So then what happens to the members of the church that don't get the financial blessings they're believing for? That's a big question and it has to be dealt with. And I humbly believe that many times his blessings do not look like ours, which are often envisioned in the form of bigger houses and bigger cars and shoes and handbags and watches and luggage and clothing and get the point? Actually, his blessings may be found in the lack and in the stretching and in the poverty and in the discipline that shifts our focus from things back to him. He wants to provide for us. He always provides. In my most, you know, in the moments in which I lack the most, he always provided. And he'll always provide for you. So I have to ask the question, I have to, because I think we gotta really stop right now in the world that we live in today and check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, as they say. Do we love money too much in the church? And I ask that because I care. I love his church. 
I said, I love being here. I love having the ministry that I do and sharing with all of you and, and learning to walk stronger and better with all of you. I love it. And I respect it. And I respect you as my brothers and sisters. And I respect you as believers if you're watching, or unbelievers if you're watching. Look, in the world, if you don't believe, then what's, when what's supposed to make sense doesn't make sense, what happens is you start searching for something that does. And eventually you'll end up at Jesus as the perfect sense answer to all the nonsense that you thought your money could buy. Now in the church, with a money as God paradigm, when all the money in the world won't buy the healing, it won't raise the dead, it won't change the situation, it won't buy the internal freedom, it won't cure the brokenhearted, then what happens? Well, then my hope is that we wake up and we return to our first love. And we realize that as the Israelites in Ezekiel 16 did, read it, you will weep, we've committed adultery and we need to repent. People, we're not fully honoring God. We're not experiencing the full measure of his power and provision in the church today. And the answer to me is quite plain and simple. It's found in 2 Chronicles 7. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer and I've chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place, for I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be my holy place, where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. <sighs> Do you see anything evil about the world you live in today? About the church, the body of Christ around the world that you walk with today? The scripture says the root of all evil, evil in your schools, evil in your families, evil in your communities, evil in your country, it's politics, evil in your church, evil, evil in the body of believers around the world, evil in the policies that our governments make. Has the love of money allowed evil to creep in in so many ways that we are literally unaware that we're neutralized as a church in large part and as Christians in large part, and all we can do is preach about prosperity and miracles, but never fully experience it? Yes, yes, and more yes. I say the love of money has opened the door on all kinds of evil, and it's killing us. The pursuit of money and status and fame and power and all that it can give us has literally poisoned our hearts and minds by becoming our first love right here in the church. And my focus is on the church because the world doesn't have the power to change itself. For all its money and status and privilege and access, you really ever notice that the world has zero power to change itself? Why? Because it needs Jesus, which means it needs us, which means we have the power in his name to change the world. And why do I know this? Because of what his word says. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, not the world's wicked ways, not those people in the world, us, our wicked ways, his people, his name. He says to us, I will hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and restore our land. Brothers and sisters, 
This session closes with a very, very, very important message that is burning in my heart. We have to turn from all that we're doing that's wrong. We have to start looking at ourselves as the body of Christ, and we have to heal our own bodies. And we have to stop judging the world. We got to love them, and we have to speak the truth to them in love. And we have to pray, and we have to repent. And it starts with us, and we have the power to do it. So let's quickly pray, Lord, help us do what we know we're supposed to do. Lord, help us repent. Lord, help us as a body of Christ understand that each and every one of us can stand together corporately right now. So in the name of Jesus, we repent of the sin of the church. We repent that we've made money our first love. We repent that the prosperity doctrine ran so far to the other side of things, we just have gotten a little bit lost and a bit off track, and we thank you that you're bringing us back. We repent, Lord, of making of turning your house into a den of money changers. Lord, don't judge us, but love each and every one of us in Jesus' name. And if you don't know Christ, I ask you and invite you to come into a relationship with a God that is so amazing, that loves us so much that once you join this body, he forgives you your sin, just like he forgives and has forgiven all of us our sin. So just repeat after me, Jesus, I love you. I don't know you. I want to know you. I am so sorry for my sin. I repent. I want to turn from everything I'm doing wrong right now, where I am. I want the madness to stop, and I want you on the throne of my life, Lord Jesus. I believe that you died for my sins, and I believe that on the third day you rose again from the dead. And as the Son of God, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Thanks for watching this mini session, and I will see you next time.